Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays, and it's Text Driven Tuesday time, and we are back in the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a Bible, grab it, go to Hebrews chapter 10, and we will be beginning in verse 19. George, I just have one question for you. Yeah. As they find their place in their Bible. Did you think any of this weekend on what your metaphorical dream baby is? I I don't think I thought about it even once. <laughs> Come on. You had to thought you had to have at least once. <laughs> oh what a fun time last Friday was. You'll have to go back and listen to that video if you want to know what we're talking about. Yeah. So before we start, I, I did want to bring something to your attention, Jay. Okay. That I thought that you would find very interesting. Let me let me let me hear it. You can put it up on the on the screen. January twenty second through twenty eighth is US Kiss a Shark Week. Oh Celebrated in the fourth full week of January is a seven-day affair that showcases the shark for all the right reasons. All of them, yeah. The day aims to educate people about sea creatures and promote efforts to save them. Just uh. what you want, Jay. So put aside your put aside your bias and your animosity <laughs> and go kiss a shark. Maybe maybe a whale shark. You've seen those? Yeah. Those are like the friendly mm-hmm. friendly shark. Yeah. In the shark kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I wanted um, to make sure you knew it was well, it was Kiss a Shark Week. People never cease to amaze me of the strange things that we invent. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, strange. <laughs> Kiss a Shark Week. Yep. You know where we went uh, to Hawaii? My parents took us out there for their anniversary. And... I had a great time, you know, I told you about it. We talked about it on here. This past year, a lady got eaten by a shark in Hawaii. And Evangeline loves to tell everyone about that. Now, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. What, she, what does she do? Just go up and tell people that? Just, yeah, so I guess she just thinks about it sometimes randomly. Oh, really? Yeah, and she's she'll say, lady got eaten by a shark in Hawaii, you know. Okay, that's great. Did you learn uh, the letter J at school today? That's probably because she uh, she hears you uh, having nightmares in your, <laughs> in your sleep. <laughs> Man, I had fun. Uh, I, I do enjoy being in the ocean, though. I actually like the ocean. Yeah. I don't know what I would do if I ever saw one. So, like, a, well, I think mainly it's a great white shark, honestly. Yeah. But there's some other ones that are that kind of get me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just nothing you can do, you know. That is just. What can you do? What can you do if a shark's after you, George? Nothing. It's like you're totally helpless. If if a bear is after you, you could at least like run. You don't run from a bear. The bear is going to catch you. Well, <laughs> you can't outrun. You cannot. I know you can't outrun one, but at least you can try. You can try. What are you going to do? Try to outswim a shark? Right. Yeah, that's like that'd be like you trying to outcrawl a bear. You know what I mean? It's like. That's part of it, I think. So it's such a weird fear for you to have when you are in Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, I, I do, I do get beyond it though, because I like to be in the ocean. The, I like, the, I like wor- it. the wor- you know, the worst threat that you might have is a Sharknado. 
That's it. It is. I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's text driven Tuesday. What if we jumped in here? What if we just <laughs> I, jumped right in? I think that that probably would be for the best. All right. <laughs> um, Georgia, I liked your opener for this this passage. Did you? Yeah, I did. Um, I guess some people don't know that you like to watch baseball. You know what I mean? My parents were like, I, I didn't know George liked, liked baseball. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, he, he didn't play, but he likes to watch it. There mm-hmm. are still people around that like to watch baseball, <laughs> believe it or not. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I had someone tell me they uh, they heard my opening and they thought that it was a Jay sermon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you brought up. You can't be the only person that talks about baseball in your sermons. I can't be. There's too many. There's too many good life lessons in the game. Yeah. Just too many. Yeah. Yeah, there is. I'll let you have the I'll let you, you know, have I'll let you have all the I'll let you have all the uh the military illustrations. Mm. You can have those. I can't trade I'm, I can't I'm too, trade I'm too, baseball though. Because I'm too I'm too afraid I'm gonna, you gonna, say, I'm gonna something? say something completely stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and all these guys all these guys in our church who who have served will <laughs> they have to stop listening. <laughs> so it, but uh, I can I can talk about baseball. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the guys that you know you've you've heard them before. They're nowhere around a military culture, mm. anywhere around it, and they'll make one and be like, mm. yeah. "It's like in the movie when they like have the wrong uniform on the on the soldier and the rank in the wrong you know it's all in the wrong spot." And mm. you're like, "You didn't even care enough to like <laughs> right. put yeah. a real mm. uniform on them." Yeah, I, I was never I, growing up in in Tulsa. <laughs> I was never around. The, any military personnel at all first first um first time i really was around anyone that had been in the military was when i started dating julia because her uh, her dad was uh, yeah in the air force uh, but he was already retired and um it wasn't until i moved down here that i was surrounded yeah. by guys that have served and so i'm really cautious about the illustrations i use <laughs> When it comes to comes to the military, mm. it's, you know, if there's like a historical event, I I feel comfortable talking about that. But so, yeah. if it's like, you know, yeah, I'll leave that to you. Mm. Well, <clears throat> you may know something about oil, then, George from Tulsa, huh? <laughs> right? You got to know something. Yeah, I just know all kinds of stuff about oil no, from your time on the as a roughneck. oh goodness all right well let's jump in here george Uh, your opening illustration was uh about the greatest umpire that's ever lived right (laughs) right (laughs) tell tell us about it i thought it was was good i really liked how you moved from that into (laughs) yeah don't don't be this guy don't be that guy yeah i was uh I, i wasn't super confident that my that my opening was gonna work you weren't you weren't for sure i wasn't for sure in your mind no no but um yeah you you know there's who's you you probably have experienced some bad umpires in your time playing yeah i mean even the best umpire is going to make some mistakes i mean they're only human Uh that's part of the game though that's part of the charm of the game is is the the mistakes right well how and the but the question is how do you be bad at that level, right? Because they have like a whole, you know, oh, selection know. They, process. Yeah, it's they, big and it's elaborate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
they recruit from the best, like in in uh, yeah. Division One usually, and then they'll take from <clears> them. <throat> they'll go through a minor league process and evaluations. Yeah, and, you got to go to school. Oh yeah, yeah. These are like the best of the best, supposed mm-hmm. to be. <laughs> They're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but then you've got the worst of the worst. And uh, did you know who I was going to say? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there's there's a couple of people in the running. But ask, you know, ask uh, just a, a pool of, of players and fans who's the worst umpire in Major League Baseball. And they're probably going to say Angel Hernandez. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... When I was when I was looking up stuff, uh, Joe West shows showed up a lot, but he has retired, mm. um, and so Angel Hernandez, he's top of the list. He's the guy. He's the guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I watched a lot of videos uh, this last week of Angel Hernandez. <laughs> I couldn't believe some of the calls that he made. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's balls right down the. I mean, right down the middle. It's it is completely obvious even the even the batter is walking off and he he calls it a ball four (laughs) yeah i mean you've even got you've even got video of like pitchers like are you serious (laughs) like they can't believe that he called it you know they'll throw a ball and it's it's just obvious he'll call it a strike and they're like oh well (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah um but there's there's some notoriously bad calls um well, what in the world does that have to do with Hebrews ten nineteen through twenty five? Right. Um, well, it's it's it, like like you said, these are supposed to be the best of the best. Uh-huh. I mean, they go to school for for this. Um, they're supposed to know the rules of the game inside and out. Mm. There, uh, I didn't use it, but there was a game where um, Angel Hernandez he actually call, caused a like a fourteen minute delay of game. Um, because he messed up one of the rules. Did, did you know that he he sued Major League Baseball? I did, yeah. yeah, back in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, for uh, he never been able to to work the World Series, mm-hmm. and he was claiming it was because of racial discrimination. Yeah, and uh, the judge threw out the case because they provided made, because, all the data. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they had all these they had all these incidents. Um. And uh, they they didn't feel confident that he could that he could he handle could, it. he could handle the World Series if he can't handle something less. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess he brought it. He's brought it back up. Yeah, he has. Yeah. All they have to do everything is recorded in baseball, like down to the pitch. Mm-hmm. So they have mountains of data that can show that he's subpar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got all kinds of. <laughs> I found all kinds of stuff that I wanted to bring up, but it, I mean, it was a sermon. It wasn't about Angel Hernandez, but I found this comment. I found this comment that said, ask any knowledgeable baseball fan who the worst MLB umpire is, and 99% will say Angel Hernandez. The other 1% will say Joe West, then change their mind. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, one, one comment, I found this comment a lot that uh, if you know an umpire's name, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, um, he's supposed to know the game, right? Um, he's supposed to know the rules, and yet when he gets on the field, he can't apply the rules. Yeah. Um, you, you've got video after video after video of him blowing all of these calls, and even after video review, he can't apply it to real not, life. Yeah, he can't apply it to real life. He he's supposed to know how baseball is 
is supposed to be played. But then when he gets on the field, um, as as one comment I I found was uh, said, you know, every time he's behind the plate, you get the you get the feeling that this is the first baseball game he's ever been to. Yeah, that one's pretty savage. That's <clears throat> that's not great. <laughs> you know, that's not great. But it it applies to us also because we've been learning all of this rich theology. So the passage in uh, in Hebrews 10, 19 through um, 25, it's it's summarizing this long argument that was picked up in chapter 4. And we have all of this theology. I mean, we've got the uh, we've got the priesthood of Christ and we've got uh, the new covenant and how he ministers in this greater um, tabernacle and we have his sacrifices is greater and it's just all of this theology what are we supposed to do with that well this passage is reminding us that it's not theology just for theology's sake but we're supposed to actually do something with it mm-hmm. so real christian doctrine goes to work mm-hmm. and we have to be able to apply what we know in the real world when we when we get onto the field we're supposed to be able to apply it yeah um, and not be the angel hernandez of, mm-hmm. of christianity right that's right um, so, because uh, i mean we, so that's we, the danger we, you said this is the main danger to like our church yeah yeah i don't i don't think that our church is in in great danger of of falling into you know rank heresy uh, you know we're, we're always supposed to guard our theology we, we always need to keep a, a close watch on our our doctrine mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't think that that's the primary danger for our church. I, I think the primary danger for our church is to just um, pat ourselves on the back that we have correct doctrine and not actually put it to work in the real world. Mm. And Jesus, uh, you know, he he chastises the church of, of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, not because their doctrine was wrong. He actually commends them for their doctrine. They're guarding against false teachers, but they've lost their first love. They've, they've forgotten how to put their their theology to work, right? And I, I think that that, I, I know that that's probably the biggest danger in my life. I read all this theology. Does it actually transfer into how I live? It's supposed to. I mean, you're, you're wearing a Cubs hat, so I'm not sure. I am wearing a Cubs hat. I, uh, I had to um, comfort my son last night because the Dallas Cowboys lost in the playoffs <laughs> again. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, and he was very frustrated mm-hmm. by that. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind him, Roland, you have, I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> I know what it's like. Yeah. So you've got decades of suffering. <laughs> I know what it's like to, uh, to not see your team win. Mm. I mean, I've only seen the Cubs go all the way once. And I've only seen them get close, <laughs> not even a handful of times. Um, so I had to encourage him. So I'm wearing my Cubs hat in solidarity with uh, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys fans oh, this morning. Man. <laughs> yeah, um, but we. And that's you, a, you've heard you've heard people talk about how doctrine is boring, how it's it's not useful, it's you know it's lifeless. Right. Uh-huh. We don't need doctrine. We need you know we need to do something. We need to show love. Well, it, it it's not an either or. It's a both and. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just like uh, James says in James chapter two that that faith without works is dead. 
Um, you say you have faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. Mm-hmm. Um, you say you believe in God. Congratulations. Even the demons believe in God and they shudder, mm-hmm. right? Um, they actually, their, their belief actually translates into something. Well, we need to, we need to have our, our theology um, applied practically. So that's what this passage is about. It's 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 summarizing the theological arguments of the book, and then it also transitions us into an extended exhortation that will lead us to the end of the book. So the rest of the book is not him um, continuing to argue for Christ's priesthood and sacrifice right. and new covenant. It's he's he's made the argument. Now what are we supposed to do with it? And that's what we see from. Um, really from ver- uh, chapter 10, verse 22, to the end of the book. Mm. Um, at the end of, of chapter 13, it's it's a long exhortation. Yeah. Okay, here's here's the theology, 1 through 10, 21. Here's the application. Here's the exhortation for how we're supposed to live the rest of the book. Mm. So, It's almost like if you nail the theology... You don't have to be told every single little thing to do in your life. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, you uh I mean Paul's letters, I mean, this follows the same pattern as the other the other letters, right? Mm-hmm. Um Ephesians is the greatest example because it it's six chapters. You can split it down the middle, theology and practical. Mm-hmm. One through three, he lays out the the gospel. Four through six live in light of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he even says at the beginning of chapter four, this is how we're supposed to live. In light of what God has done for us, um, imitate him. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but e- even if you if you read through those those applications, it's not an exhaustive list of every... Right. Of everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but it's, it gives you kind of an understanding of what the Christian life is supposed to look like in light of the doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. So ending the arguments that we began in 414, the, the, the big theology, and you said this is uh, in one big run-on sentence. Yeah, ni- 19 through 25, it's just one It's just one Greek sentence. Yeah. Yeah, even look, there's a couple of, uh, of semicolons, mm-hmm. but it's, there's no, there's only one period. Yeah. Yeah, it's at the end of 25. So you took this big sentence and to distill it down to how we could grab a hold of it, you have two main points, which we'll jump into. But before we do, let's read the passage, because people might be curious. Okay. So let me switch over to that and pull it up on my screen. There we go. All right. Can you imagine reading this entire thing as one sentence? Do it in one breath right now. (laughs) Do it. Let's see if you can do it. I can already tell you I can't. (laughs) We don't have to to do that uh, experiment. All right, here we go. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 19, it reads, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Awesome. 
Good stuff. All right, let's jump right into this this passage then. Uh, your first point that you had is uh, nineteen begins in nineteen, and it is two concluding theological truths to remember. That's how he begins, right? Two concluding theological truths to remember. Yeah. The first one you have is we can enter the presence of God because of Jesus' death on, on the cross. Mm-hmm. This is really basic Christianity, yeah. but one, for whatever reason, people continue to struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Um, Well, I, we'll get to it. We'll yeah. get to it when yeah. we get to the the application. But yeah, people uh, people really, sh- really struggle with this. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it comes down to uh, assurance. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but these are, I, and I I think you can see these really uh, really clear. Um, it this is one of those passages that I looked. I I didn't even really sit down and and really think through it really deeply, and the ap- the outline was just crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can, the the words that are used um, repeatedly help to to split it. The theological truths they they both begin with the word sense, mm-hmm. and then the the three applications we're going to see all begin with let us. Yeah, and so you you can you can really I I was I was really wanting to bring that out so that uh, the congregation could really see it for themselves. Yeah, um, so. We, we can enter the presence of God because of Jesus' death on the cross, is verses tw- uh, 19 and 20. Um, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. There it is. And it's just um, a summary of much of what he's already talked about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that This is kind of a summary of, really, of, of uh, um, chapters 8 through 10 with Christ's priesthood, the, his, his role as a mediator of the new covenant, and his, his sacrificial death uh, that we, we've talked about for the last two weeks, that because of this, we actually have access to God. Right. Which, I mean, that's, that's, that is massive. We, we need to continue to be reminded of this. And remember, the, the original context are these, these early, probably primarily Jewish Christians who are being... Uh, tempted to go back to the the temple and the priests and the sacrifices. So again and again and again, he's he's trying to to emphasize you don't have to go back because we have we have access to God through Christ, and that is something that you don't have in the old covenant. You don't have this access to God, this this free access mm-hmm. that you have in the new covenant. Uh, that word we can we can. Um, uh, have confidence to enter the holy places. That word confidence um, is is used. We've we've already seen it in chapter four. Um, that we can. Uh, uh, this thing always gets in my way, Jay. Um, we ha- we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And same word. Um, it's it's got the the that meaning of boldness. We can enter with courage. Uh, but it also carries uh, the weight of freedom or um, authorization. So, the the people of Israel they couldn't they couldn't just freely walk into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. They they would have been yeah they would have been killed right mm-hmm. death death penalty. Um, but because of Christ, we are authorized 
to actually go into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And we need to be reminded of that time and time again because we we do. We struggle with it. We think that we've got to do something in order to be accepted before God. But what this tells us, again, is that we actually can with confidence enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, not by our good works, not by religious rituals, but through Christ, we actually can go into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting to think about the privilege that, that we have, mm. given the, the theology that we know, yeah. that God is everywhere. This means that you have access to God Literally anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere that anywhere you are, you can approach God. Yeah, it's not this. It's not this tabernacle or temple in Jerusalem that you have to travel to. He's talking about the actual holy place mm-hmm. where God is in in heaven mm-hmm. that we have access to. Mm-hmm. And the 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 massive contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant it it just couldn't be clearer than in these verses. Right. The the fact that we we don't have to go to this earthly tabernacle in order to worship God, but through the blood of Jesus we actually can approach God at you know at His throne. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something no one could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which what what is interesting is it would appear that originally this was God's desires that all people would have access to him like that mm. at the at, at Sinai, remember? Mm. And the people were like, no way, because yeah. you are really, your holiness is scary to us. Mm. So Moses, you go up, right. because that's too close. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they didn't want to, don't let us hear the voice of God or we'll die. Yeah. Yeah. But this is God's desire, yeah, and, and, here, and here we are. Yeah, here we are. I mean, this is a this is a, a theological doctrine that is not boring. Mm-hmm. This is not cold, lifeless doctrine. This is this is exciting. We need to be thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, Philip sent us this. Uh, <laughs> did you watch the clip that he sent? <clears throat> the video that he sent us on uh, Saturday. It's just a clip of all these mega church pastors just doing ridiculous nonsense. Looks like the kids stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's not what this verse is teaching. Right. That we approach God in this cavalier fashion. Right. <laughs> Looks like preschool on stage. Yeah, that we um Yeah. That that's not what it means. Mm-hmm. Um there's still reverence here. Right. We don't just strut. <laughs> strut before the throne of God. Um, we come humbly knowing that we don't deserve to go into the presence of God and that the only way we can go is through the death of Jesus. It reminds us of the cross, the the the, the price that had to be paid mm-hmm. so that we could have access to God. That's not something that we um you know come out on stage and dance to some Taylor Swift song. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, before we worship this holy God, I, I like how we've we've started having a, a time of of silence before we begin our worship service on Sundays. It reminds us that this is the the living God. Yeah, this is the holy God, and um, we can approach this holy God, mm-hmm. but we approach Him through the blood of Jesus, um, through this the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. 
And that's something that we need to do with reverence. Mm-hmm. We don't dishonor the death of Jesus by, um, you know, skipping up on stage and right. how's everyone doing today? Yeah, or, you know, or open not... with a Taylor Swift song or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, pretty pretty crazy that we're there. Yeah, where where that's the type of thing that's that goes on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think he's got this. Um, I think he has this this uh this story from matthew in mind yeah when he when he says that um that christ has opened this new and living way for us through the curtain that is through his flesh right i i think now i i you know i can't prove it but there seems to be a a connection with matthew chapter 27 where christ dies and the curtain is torn in two Mm -hmm. which now, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> Can you imagine the priests that are ministering in the temple, and all of a sudden the, the curtain rips? And there's the, and it, there's the, you and know, we're not I talking mean, a little curtain. This is a yeah, very it's a thick, big, it's a big, thick, probably heavy curtain uh-huh. that, that separates the the uh, the people from the holy of holies, and it rips at the death of Jesus. And I think that's that's what he has in mind here. That when Christ's body was was torn, when it was it was rent into um, on the cross that it, it that's now access to God is is open for us just yeah. just as it's symbolized in the the tearing of the temple curtain allowing access to the <clears throat> holy of holies Christ's body was broken for us allowing us full entrance into the presence of God that's pretty amazing yeah it is. And the second one is one we've already talked about as well, that we have a living high priest mm-hmm. who rules over God's people. Verse 21. Yep. Yeah. We we have this right. great priest over the house of God, uh-huh. and that, that's picked up all throughout the book of Hebrews. Again, going back to chapter 4, um, since we have this high priest, um, the end of chapter 7, we have this priest, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, the the point of everything we're saying is this: we have such a great high priest. Um, th- this is the this is the priest we have. This living high priest who is the uh, he's the eternal Son of God who took on human flesh. He lived amongst us and was obedient, and he died a, a substitutionary death for us. Um, but he's been raised from the dead, exalted to the right hand of God. He's ruling. His enemies are being put under his feet. He's going to return, uh, bringing salvation to those who eagerly wait for him. This is our this is our high priest. Yeah. And so we've encountered these two truths in a variety of different ways already many times, but they lead to the really the main point of uh, this section and what you spent more time on, and that's the second point of your sermon verses 22 to 25 three ways that we can that that we are encouraged to put our theology into action. Yeah. So three ways we're encouraged to put the theology we already know into action and this structure of these three ways all have to do with the words let us. Mm-hmm. So you're able to grab that right out. Yeah. There are three let us. Yeah. statements. Yeah. So the first is let us draw near let us draw near. And I thought it was interesting, too, that you pointed out, and it is there in the text, you can see each let us, it's coupled with faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he follows, he just follows the faith, hope, and love. Uh. 
which you know makes me think that wasn't just Paul. Well, maybe it was. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's all, that's <laughs> all, uh, that's evidence that maybe Paul wrote Hebrews, but uh, it it also could be evidence that this wasn't just a a Pauline thing. That this was maybe a confessional thing that yeah. the early church had. That like, yeah, faith, hope, and love. These are the three. These are the three. Thing you know the three virtues that we hold up as the ways to work out our faith in the world. Yeah, the mm-hmm. these these are the highest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whichever way you go, it, you know. It, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can you can <clears throat> see you can see faith in uh, in verse twenty two. You see hope in verse twenty three, and you see love in verse twenty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to draw near, we're told we're told that we are to draw near mm-hmm. before God. Yeah. We're to approach God. Uh, in worship, we're to go before him. And it's based on verse 19. Since mm-hmm. we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine the, the uh, I mean, it's an insult to the grace of God. If if this is what God has done, He's He's he has um, supplied this this path to, to, uh, to free access to him, and we don't do it. Right, yeah, yeah. Imagine having... Uh, this this great desire for fellowship with someone and providing all the means and the access and even being will and telling you know that you will provide for them anything that they actually do need yeah. if as long as they ask you and then you're like um why don't you uh why don't you guys come here uh, more and like what's going on? I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that I can have this. Right. Uh, but that's what we do when we're we uh we uh we're supposed to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Mm-hmm. And yet so many Christians, they battle with this doubt. They, they, doubt they, they don't have assurance of their salvation. They don't have the assurance of faith. Um, I didn't ask you know, the congregation on Sunday morning to raise their hands, but I asked my community group, how many of you have ever struggled with assurance of salvation? And it was almost all of them. Mm-hmm. This is just a common a common thing for for Christians. They they doubt their their assurance. Um, why at youth camp do you always have thousands upon thousands of kids who rededicate their lives? Yeah, because they doubt assurance. They doubt it, and um, the but and yet we're we're encouraged here in, in verse twenty two that we're supposed to draw near with full assurance, right. which. That communicates to us that we can have full assurance. You can have assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. But the reason why so many people doubt their salvation is that they always are are basing it upon something that they've done. So I've I walked an aisle, I said a prayer, but did I mean it? Mm-hmm. Um, I was baptized, but you know, again, did I mean it? Mm-hmm. You know, was I? You know, um, it, it, and here, here it reminds us that that full assurance that we can have is not based upon us. It's not based upon what we've done. It's, it's based upon what God has done. So that, uh, that idea of I, I don't know if I meant it is based on the subjectiveness of, well, what does it mean to mean it? Right. Like how, how, how strongly do I have to believe? Right. And who's the gauge of that? Well, it's me. It's my feelings, my emotions. Well, I, didn't, I don't feel like I meant it. Instead, the author of Hebrews has again and again and again been pointing to the objective reality of what God has done for us in Christ. If you want to have assurance of salvation, then don't base, I, 
I was at False Creek. Well, maybe the last time I was at False Creek, um, the the preacher, after he called all these people to walk the aisle and come down and gather at the stage, um, and he prayed, you know, the sinner's prayer. He said, "Remember this day. Whenever you have doubts, whenever you have, you know, insecurities about your salvation, remember this day." Right. That's terrible. <laughs> that's a ter- that's terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Um, when you doubt your salvation, when when you doubt your assurance, don't don't try to track down some date on your calendar, some you know time and place. Look to Christ. Look to the objective reality of what God has done for you in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not based on subjective feelings. It's it's based on the objective truth of Jesus has died for sinners. Um, God has promised in his word that all who come to him will be saved. Come to him. Right. <laughs> like, don't, you know, what, what's keeping you? Yeah. Like, come to him. Um, don't, don't um, say, well, I was trusting him you know, 10 years ago. Are you trusting him today? Mm-hmm. Are you trusting the object- objective reality of what God has done for you in Jesus' death on the cross today? Um, and that's where you get your assurance. You hold, you hold, you uh, you hold on to that that truth, right? Yeah, yeah. There is a strange thing that has happened in our lifetime. How subjective subjective reality becomes the primary means by which everything is evaluated. Um, but it's not often followed like down to its logical end. Yeah. So, for instance, there's something called the hard problem of consciousness, and that's any appeal to other consciousnesses outside of yourself. The only way you can prove them is by your observations. Mm. And so there's not really any way to know if you are the only conscious being in the universe or not. Mm. That's right? that's kind of going back to Descartes. Right. It's a, and so it's a, you know, from the materialist worldview, it's a big problem right. like it can't be overcome yeah well we got to be careful we don't fall into the same type of it some type of trap yeah. when we start to listen to ourselves and our feelings and our circumstances alone well now we're just interpreting everything as if we're the center of all reality <laughs> right and our what we profess to believe is that god is the center of all reality mm. so his perception is what is real right and to him how does he view you? He views you as one in Christ, and therefore the the alternative, your, your feelings are irrelevant on the matter. Yeah. So we we accidentally turn ourselves into gods mm. when we listen to our own feelings in that way. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have to be careful of that. But we're we're so conditioned by the things of our culture, things that we don't know. They trained us to think in this way. Mm. You know? Yeah. As if the king has said it. Then it is right, like yeah. he's <laughs> right. He's made a statement, <laughs> right? So, well, I, th- I think also we, um, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to bring together several several things in my mind right now while you're talking. Um, I, I think one of the things that one of the reasons why Christians don't feel assure uh, assurance of their salvation is because they're not they're not walking in obedience to God's word. Um, they're they're living in some kind of of unconfessed sin, hmm. some unrepentant sin, and they don't feel assurance of salvation. Well, yeah, there, it, there's not really any assurance of salvation when you're 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 
confessing that you're a Christian, but you're living like an unbeliever. Right. Um, that there, there is a disconnect, and I think that that rightly so. Right. Um, but I think there's also these people that they just live with doubts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, they're looking to themselves. They're 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 evaluating things by their own feelings. So they're confessing to be a Christian, and they they're striving to obey God's word, and they still don't think that God's going to accept them. And that's a that's a real problem. It's mm-hmm. a real problem because they're still basing it upon subjectiveness instead of really believing. If you come to Christ, if you <clears throat> are, if you are believing on Him. The Bible says that those who come to him won't be put to shame. Right. Just be, just believe God's word. Just just believe that what God said is true. This is kind of the strong appeal to many many other religions is there in a way they remove the subjective nature of things and they'll on whether you really even meant the things you're doing or not and as long as you have done the things that are required in the system mm. as long as you're doing them. Right. Um then you can have a measure of assurance, I think. Um, though if you were to question someone, they would say, well, I can't really know. Like if you talk to a Muslim, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll say, well, like they'll be their works are weighed. So they'll follow, you know, their they'll be good practicers of Islam yeah. and try to be good people. A lot of them will try to be good people, good good neighbors, things of that nature. And uh, they can fall back on, well, you know, I was kind, I am hospitable, um, I pray, you know, three times a day, I'm doing these things, and that gives them a measure of assurance that's external to them. It's the appeal of religion. Mm. Catholicism provides the same thing. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I gave a, a, a quote from a, a Catholic cardinal back in the 16th century, um, Bellarmine, I think mm-hmm. is what his name was, and he, he said that the greatest Protestant heresy was assurance. Right, because that's not that's not something that Roman Catholics have. Um, you you can be baptized, you can go to mass, you can go to confession, you can do penance. But even then, it's like, have I done enough to merit heaven? Right. Um, and I think even by their own teachings, um, unless you are a saint, right. You're, which, pro- you're probably going to spend some time in purgatory. Which you're going to you're going to be dead after they declare you a saint anyway. Yeah. So you'll never know. Yeah, you won't know, right? <laughs> They'll do an investigation um, on your it, life. Yeah, you're then. you're probably going to spend some time in purgatory, working off you know, whatever, right? Whatever remains. Being a Yankees fan, I don't know. Does that? <laughs> I don't know if that merits purgatory. Even that might that might be straight. That to, might that might be. <laughs> A, what do they call it? A mor- mortal, a mortal sin? sin. It's a mortal sin. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's no there's no assurance in uh, in Roman Catholicism in uh, in in Islam. Um, I think that I, even I in had Judaism, a, uh, Prager. You ever see? Uh, oh yeah, Dennis yeah. Prager talking uh-huh. about it. Uh-huh. No assurance. Yeah, no assurance. I Not had a I had a a friend in seminary. He grew up um, Nazarene, and he said that he he. Uh, Felt like he lost his salvation every week, like he had to constantly be going back mm. because he he just kept losing his salvation. He plays a soccer player. No, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a baseball player actually. So. Oh man, then his theology was really messed up. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's different there's different denominations. <laughs> there's different Christian denominations that they don't. Soccer they, players, please don't get never, offended. 
Yeah, I just can't. I can't <laughs> resist because you know. Are there any soccer players that listen to this? Well, I, yeah. I would think that we would have driven them off by now. I'm just saying there's well, we a take, sport. We take pot shots there, at them. There's a sport that is you know America's pastime. Yeah. And then there's a sport that I'm pretty sure was invented by communists. <laughs> so you take your pick and you tell me, you know? Uh, I'm going to have to find this meme for you before we're done, Jay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, assurance. It's there's. I mean, there's a lot of Christian denominations that don't have assurance. Right. They, they believe. I mean, there's even free will Baptists that believe you can lose your salvation. And, well, there, uh, this bro, this is um, let me, this again. Is perfect. That's, again, that's that is subjective. That's here, subjective. It's here, not based upon what God has said. Let me tell you the craziest story that I, one of the craziest ones I've, that I've heard. Um, so we would just automatically assume, like, oh, if you're a Calvinist, you have assurance of salvation, right? Yeah, that's what we think. Mm-hmm. So the Calvinist denominations, you got your Presbyterians, um, what do they call them, Dutch Reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, so Beaky came, Joel Beaky came out of the Dutch Reformed, right? Yeah. So he he tells the story. You know, you know, I got to take him to uh, to In and Out Burger. Yeah, right. Joel mm-hmm. Beaky, who's like a living Puritan. I took him to. I'm glad, I'm glad you took him to a, a fast food place instead of a nice restaurant, Jay. That's really that's really showing some respect. Well, nobody saw him. Nobody saw him at In and Out. We snuck him in and out because that's surely a violation of Puritanism <laughs> to indulge in In and Out Burger. Was it a Sunday? <laughs> no, no, de- okay. de- most definitely not. But so he uh, he tells a story about um, growing up in the Dutch Reformed mm. uh, church, and he said his parents. He said it, I had a really, really rare upbringing because both of my parents, I think he called them communicants. Mm. He might have used a different word, but I was like, "What is that?" He said, "Well, both of my parents took." The Lord's Supper, they took communion. I'm like, well, how is that weird? He said, well, in my church, probably around maybe like 8% of the congregation took communion. Oh, wow. Why? Because the rest of them didn't know if they were Christians or not. (laughs) That the rest of them struggled to if they had ever been born again. They didn't, they didn't know if they were actually Christians. Yeah. So so Beaky, and I don't really know how they arrived at this height. This is hyper Calvinism. Mm. Like people, there's this. People down here in Oklahoma, they think we're hyper Calvinists. Uh-huh, you yeah. know, us that would evangelize people, right. give a free offer of the gospel, tell yeah. people they must be born again. So Joel Beakey grew up in a hyper Calvinist world. Okay. I was unaware still existed. Yeah. And so they struggled with salvation, assurance something. They wouldn't take communion. Mm. And it would be only happened if they had in some type of an experience mm. where they were sure they were born again. Wow. So he becomes a preacher. And he starts, in his denomination, starts giving a free offer of the gospel, telling people, you can be born again today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, like right. the old Puritans, yeah. like Whitfield, like these guys. Right. And he has this explosion of people getting born again and baptized. Mm. They investigate him, yeah. like his presbytery or sesh, I don't know what they call it in mm-hmm. the Dutch Reformed. Yeah. They do an investigation on him. And they, in the charge, free offer of the gospel. Yeah. Is that insane? Yeah. It's insane, dude. So eventually, you know, long story short, uh, he branched out, him and a couple other pastors, and that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And now they have a, um, I guess a, I don't know what they would call it exactly, mm-hmm. but it's some form of, I guess, Presbyterianism. Huh. Dutch Reformed. Yeah. That offer, free offer of the gospel. Crazy, right? Yeah. So no assurance of salvation. 
without some type of subjective thing. Mm-hmm. You don't so it's see, not, you don't, I mean, you read the book of Acts, and the, yes, there are some places where the Holy Spirit falls on them, they start speaking in tongues. That's not, um, I don't think that's supposed to be like a regular thing. I think I think that Luke shows, um, as, as Jesus said, go into Jerusalem right. and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Every time they go to one of those new spheres, there's yeah. that experience. Right, right. Um, so but in that's Jerusalem, that, but that's, yeah. then you have the... Uh, Samaritans, mm-hmm. and then you have the full-blown Gentile, yeah. the centurion. Right. Um, so, and you, you yep. every time you see the, them, them going to the different spheres, there's this outward experience. Yeah. But as you, as you read things like um, the conversion of Lydia. Mm-hmm. God opened her heart. Doesn't I mean she to, just to receive, she just receives it right? Yeah. I mean she just believes. There doesn't seem to be any any big emotional outburst or the you know speaking in tongues or or any of that it's she believes she believes yeah right um you, and how do you know you they read, believe george because they follow they through follow through yeah with I mean, baptism they, yeah they they're, they're baptized they they start a church they yeah. you know they go to church and they they obey they obey the the teachings of the apostles right um yeah it's Again, it's 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 very objective. I mean, you you've got the truth of the gospel. Believe it, right? Believe it. Yeah. Uh, here, I've got this meme for you, Jay. Before we move on, <laughs> all right. Before all right. we move on, so here you okay, here you go see. up on the we can put it up on the screen. There you go. Yeah, you got Britain on the top, and you got America at the bottom. Invent a new sport, spread it around the world. Be bad at it. <laughs> uh, America, invent a new sport. No one else wants to play it. You're world champions. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball is strange because you know it is pretty. It's uh, pretty popular it in, is. A- in Asia. It is as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and in big time in South America, obviously. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is Drake and I play a Call of Duty together. Yeah. Right. right well, so we'll get, we'll be online. And they have this thing called proximity chat, where so if we if we're in a building, so he's online, he's in another room, right? But we're playing online against 150 other people around the world, yeah. and there's a ton of people from like South America on there, mm-hmm. and we can't understand what they what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the kids will be in the room, and you know they're there; they're there to hunt you. You know, you know right. it's you versus them, mm-hmm. but you can hear them talking like you could in real life if they were in another room. So I always. I always, the only thing I know to say is I just say baseball or football <laughs> and they all start laughing, right? Cause that's what it is. If you're a kid over there, you're playing one or the other. Yeah. And then they'll laugh, 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 and they'll say whatever they play. Yeah. That's how I break through. <laughs> I only get, and then, and then I, and then yeah. I, uh, and then we have to smoke them. Yeah. <laughs> and roll to the next building together. Yeah. But that's how it is, man. Yeah. It's, uh, that's a good meme. I like it. I like <laughs> I'm that glad meme. it's got your approval. <laughs> yeah. Larry recommended we make somebody make memes of our podcast and the crazy uh, shenanigans oh, out yeah, here, yeah. like yeah. metaphorical dream babies and stuff. Oh goodness! Don't give Philip any uh, any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first. Let us to draw near. The second. Let us uh, is to hold fast. Mm-hmm. Hold fast. Yep. Um, this is all about perseverance. Right. Um. And I think this is this is definitely big time uh, lost doctrine. The mm. call to persevere. Yes, like you know, you are indoctrinated from the time you go into the military. You will persevere. Mm. You will never quit. You'll never leave a fallen comrade. 
you will never surrender. Is that, and sti- like, is that still what they teach in the, oh, yeah, in the yeah. military? Yeah. Okay. They will. But, you know, they'll be, your military right now is weird. It'll be mixed with people like my kid who have been born and raised to, you know, yeah. kill communist. And then you've got, <laughs> you know, then you've got other people who um, probably have never done an outside thing in their entire life. Yeah. And might be a two-spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A two-spirit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what a mess the military's become. What a mess. So um, is it any wonder that people <clears throat> like him would question, should I go in there or not? Mm-hmm. Like, should I go in the military or not? Yeah. That's bad. We're at a bad place. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. Yeah. You don't want that, man. Right. You, you want them to be like, Yes, I want to go. I want to serve because it's a service. People don't understand that the military is a service. Mm-hmm. It's something you are doing on behalf of your community and your society, and you're going to bear the burdens that most people, you know, fortunately will never have to bear for your whole life. Right. And so when you have people that should do that, thinking, I don't know if I want to do that because I, you know, I probably won't be accepted because I don't believe in that stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to train and do my job. Mm. I don't want to sit through uh, 60 hours of diversity training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like we're uh, we're trying to defeat ourselves. Right. So, but perseverance, George, brings us back. You know, the Army's got it's, it. The military's got it. But why don't we ever yeah, talk about it? Persevere. Yeah. You've got to persevere. Well, we've, we've adopted that once saved, always saved model. Yeah. Right. Which... As a, you know, just kind of surface level, we can affirm that. Mm-hmm. Now, once saved, always saved, the eternal security. But it's been abused. It's been abused to a point where you've got people that, you know, they walk an aisle, they say a prayer, they, you know, fill out the card, and then they disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still have that confidence. Well, you know, once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no. Like you said, there's there's no teaching on perseverance, right? Um, it, I think this goes hand in hand with that. You know, remember the time and time and place. Remember that day, right? It's very subjective. Uh huh. Like I've I've been, I I walked an aisle, I said a prayer, but you know, 15 years later, I'm, I've never been in, I haven't been in church in you know a decade. I'm living with my girlfriend, um, not. Not caring at all, right? But you know, I can I can think back when I'm scared of dying. I can think back to that time and place. Mm-hmm. That's not the biblical model of Christianity. No, no, it's not. The biblical model is perseverance, mm-hmm. and the promise is that we see it in the verse. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Mm. So where it we bring together God's sovereignty and our responsibility yes. in this verse. Mm-hmm. God is faithful; He will hold on to His people. Once saved, always saved. Right, right. right. Eternal hey, security. But yeah. persevere. Hold on. Hold yeah. on to that. Hope. Once saved, always saved. Is it going to work when they're tying your wrist behind your back mm-hmm. to a? To the pyres, right. and they're about to light you up, mm-hmm. right? Right. This will yeah. full confidence in Him that He's faithful. Yeah. So if you remain faithful to Him, even in death, mm-hmm. eternal life. This uh, this 
this brings us back to chapter six. And again, I would encourage people as they're reading through this passage, it's going to keep, you're going to keep being reminded of things earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. And that this is, this is a summary of, of things that he's brought out throughout the book already. But this, this brings us back to, to chapter six. Um, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. There's, that's what we see in chapter mm-hmm. ten, right? We have hold this, fast. We have this, and it's got the it's got hope, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. So Jesus is there as an anchor holding us, and we're supposed to hold fast to him. I like this uh, imagery. Is this? Do you know if the words hold fast are a naval term in the ancient in ancient world? I know in modern era um, it did become a naval term, I believe, to, uh, to I like persevering, don't. like persevering through the storm. He uses he uses some uh, some. Um, Nautical, he uses some nautical imagery, especially in chapter two. We must, lest we drift away from right. it. Um, I'm going to look, but this I up, don't. Man. I don't know if "hold fast" itself is a. Well, it would be. It would be helpful though if we had like a sailor here. We could ask mm. L- Larry. <laughs> Larry. Larry was a na- Larry was a Navy man. Larry was. Uh, Larry, weren't you? At, you were in Vietnam on a naval ship. What kind of what kind of ship? Aircraft carrier. Larry was on an aircraft carrier. And you how can you still hear? That's the real question. No, you can't? I can't. <laughs> so Larry and I don't do coffee very often because mm-hmm. it's just what? What what do you say? Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Larry. Larry is a he's a veteran. Yeah. Naval carrier. Hold fast. I gotta know now. I just gotta know gotta somebody. Know. Somebody look it up so I don't have to look it up because I'm gonna go on this naval rabbit rabbit trail now. <laughs> I know what's gonna happen later. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So persevere, and it's grounded in the faithfulness of God. So yeah, God let's draw near. Let God, us hold fast. God, God made a promise to Abraham, mm-hmm. right? Um, which uh, a promise is just you believing someone's word. Then he. On top of that, he makes an oath, mm-hmm. right? So you've got his promise and his oath. God can't lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got these this doubly sure, right? You know, hope. Um, and he's he's picking up on that. I think again um, over here, God is faithful, so we can hold on. Um, right. God will keep his promises. Um, he's promised in the new covenant the things that he will do. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is that if you look at the look at the contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant back in chapter eight, um, the it seems like the primary difference is um, the new covenant is not like the old covenant, which they broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new covenant is unbreakable because it's not based upon do this and live. 
it's there's five statement five I will statements yeah um, in the new covenant God mm-hmm. God will do this and it's unbreakable because God is, is Jeremiah faithful. Jeremiah yeah. right Jeremiah yeah. what's because people may want to know is it thirty it's thirty one thirty one mm-hmm. yeah yeah go read it go read it yeah um, quoted quoted in Hebrews eight um, yeah it's it's we can hold on because God is faithful he 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 won't he can't tell a lie. And he can't fail. He can't fail at what he said. And he's so hold on to what he said. Be encouraged by that. Hold on to the hope that we have. Hold fast to it uh, unswervingly mm-hmm. without bending. Yeah, good. So let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Final one. Let us stir one another up. Yep. The love and good works. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one seems like one that would be very just like clear and easy to obey. The others you can say, oh, they're kind of like, can't know if I can really grasp these, like draw near, like mm-hmm. um, drawing near, holding fast, uh, you know. This one is like you can reach out and grab it oh, yeah. in real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? This one I think is the kind of the, the linchpin yeah. to it because we're called to persevere, but we're not called to persevere alone. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of uh, at least American Christians – really struggle with that. Right. We think, well, I've I've been saved and it's subjective, right? But I can be a good Christian without going to church. Yeah. I can, you know, I can stay at home. I can go worship out on Mount Scott and, you know, I'm I'm just as good a Christian as you know, you people that go to a building. Mhm. Yeah. Guys who are bought into the institutionalized religions. Right. Yeah. Um but Christ didn't save us just individually. He saved us corporately. Yeah. So whenever you read the New Testament, um, not uh, probably not every time, but if you read Paul's letters, if you read Peter's letters, John's letters, when you come to the word you, it's probably in the plural. Yeah, I, I, I came to this realization very early on when I first started preaching. Yeah. Studying Philippians, and I'm like, if you're not a member of a local church, you can't obey obey a single command of Philippians. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. How right. could you do it? Yeah. So literally address to a local church yeah. with elders and deacons. Well, even um even at the very end of Timothy, Timothy, Paul's writing to an individual. Yeah. But at the, at the end of the letter it says grace be to you. Right. Um and it's in the plural, you all. Mhm. The southern translation, grace be to y'all. Yeah. Right. And that's throughout. That's throughout the letters of the New Testament. It's written to plural y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about Philippians. He's using this militaristic language. They're supposed to be standing shoulder to shoulder with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a soldier. Again, this is an illustration I wasn't going to use on you know Sunday morning. Uh, you know, a soldier by himself. That's probably not great mm-hmm. on a battlefield. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to look around and. All your combat buddies are gone. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably not that's probably not a good sign. Right? Um, you you uh, like you said you can't obey these commands. All the one another commands. Yeah, you can't do it if there's no other <laughs> around you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're not called to be this island. We're called to community. The, the imagery that we have is that we are being built up into a temple, 
we're just a brick. Yeah. The church together is the temple. A brick, I mean, if you just see a brick laying by itself on the ground, I mean, what are you going to use that brick for? Right. Like, it's useless. Mm-hmm. A brick is only good for one thing, being put with other bricks <clears throat> and built into a structure. It's the same with the Christian. Right. The lone Christian who thinks that he can just be a good Christian by himself um, he's like that that lone right. brick. He's not he, he is he is really he really is good for nothing, because right. he's being he's supposed to be saved to be with the church, not with by himself. Him. Yeah, and 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 if you're a Christian, you're a vital component of like the body of Christ. You've got you've got a, an ability to to serve a way to serve that you've alone are equipped with mm-hmm. that the church needs. Yeah, or God wouldn't have saved you. Right. God has this great plan to build his church and if you're you're part of it, right? And if you just remove yourself and you're just gone, you're not going to do this on my own. Well, not only is that detrimental to you, but um you're you're robbing your gifts from fellow Christians that mm-hmm. could be could be blessed by them. Right. Um but there's another type of person I think we should talk about. I was thinking of I've I've encountered this over the past maybe like 15 years. I'm sure you have too. There are the Christians that say, well, I've left the church as you know it, and I, I am not neglecting, because he says, you know, don't neglect to meet together. Mm. They would say, well, you know, that, do, that doesn't just mean like church as you know it. You know, I've got a collection of Christian friends. Mm-hmm. We do meet together. We do encourage one another. Yeah. And we do lift one another up. Mm. We support each other. We're just not part of an institutional, institutional church as you know it. Yeah. So... Um, I think the book of Hebrews in itself answers that argument if you yeah. just keep reading a little bit further. Uh-huh. Yeah. You just read a little bit further and you can see the context of what he has in mind when he says not to neglect meeting together. There are two passages. 13.7 is one. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Mm-hmm. All right, so... There are some type of people that you say leaders. Does this necess- doesn't necessarily get us exactly to where I think we'll go eventually? Um, people could say, "Well, you know what? I do have those I look up to." You know, again, we're not part of your uh, your church, right. <laughs> but then you just keep going a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Thirteen, seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they they are keeping watch over your souls as those who they will have to who will have to give an account. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, so now we're to the point where we have a place or people we're not to neglect meeting together. Mm-hmm. They have leaders. Oh, and these leaders, we're to obey them. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a no no word in our yeah in our you know our day and time, and they're going to give an account to God for me. Right. So the question, obviously, if you're going to you know don't turn your brain off, you have to ask. Is every person that's a that is a pastor accountable to every person that says they're a Christian? Yeah. I mean, you and your buddies that, you know, get together in the garage and play songs, you know, on a Saturday night and encourage each other. Am I responsible for your soul? The answer is obviously no. Mm-hmm. So what is he talking about? Right. Well, he's obviously talking about some type of organized local community of believers, Mm -hmm. and the body of believers has people that are recognized as leaders, um, who we call elders. There is a structure. Yeah, Paul Paul leaves Titus in Crete so that he can establish elders. Uh 
uh, that's what Timothy is doing also. He's establishing elders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a leadership structure. There there is a structure. It's not it's not it's not just a loose community of Christians coming together and just hanging out. There is leadership. There's a leadership structure. Right. There's a, there is the proclaiming. There is a set time when they're proclaiming the word of God. Um, there is uh, the Lord's Supper, which mm-hmm. I know that there's Christians that just do that. You know, whenever there's a bunch of Christians together, mm-hmm. just take it. Yeah, uh, that doesn't seem to be the. They take it with Capri Suns. That doesn't seem to be the model that we see in the New Testament. Right, um, it's a church discipline. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you gonna excommunicate one of your buddies that comes over and hangs out with you? <laughs> there's, there is again. That's leader. There's leader. There's that leadership structure. Right, right. So there, there seems to be more to it than just, well, I know some Christians at work and we have a Bible study at lunch. Right. So I'm obeying the passage. Right. 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 And yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, do do that. Well, there. Uh, but that this is this this I think is is pointing to something much more than right. this. They're not, there not could even, neglecting to meet together. There could even be a scenario where that would be legitimate. Like mm-hmm. say you're in jail right. or you're in prison in China. Right. Well, you should try to somehow yeah. get together with another believer mm-hmm. to encourage each other. Right. Um, so we're not talking about those. I mean, we're talking about the American context, right? right. What we encounter here in the Bible Belt. And we're even talking about the context of the first century. I mean... Yes, they're experiencing persecution. We'll see that in a couple right. of weeks. Well, they they are experiencing persecution, but they are still they're told still together. they're still meeting. They're still meeting, and well, they're still told to meet. What's What's pretty wild is they would meet in strange places. Yeah, like catacombs. Mm-hmm. Like who's going to go? Like hey, wonder where the Christians are meeting. Uh, there's a nice grove of woods over there. Let's go see. Yeah. Uh, they're in the catacombs. Yeah, they're in the grave. <laughs> Meeting together just so they can be together for a little while and take the Lord's Supper together and Mm. sing songs. They do it early in the morning. And then go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Different different time. And we got people today that are like, man, you know what? Uh, You know, I was at the the old ball game and it went a little too long and Mm -hmm. I could use an extra hour of sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was was talking to our community group. Our our pastor in in Kentucky, he has been over to... uh, to China and done some work. Uh-huh. Um, and he's talked about how they have to, like the church could be 10 minutes away, but it takes you a couple of hours to get there because yeah. you have to, you have to make They're sure doing- no one's following you. You have to make sure that there's not a tell, like some government spy that, that yeah. knows that you're a Christian and, and trying to find where the church meets. They have to, they have to walk in crazy directions yeah, to get to the the meeting place so that they don't inadvertently, yeah, you know, bring the the police on them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, we've we've got Christians that well, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night, so there was literally a Christian that fell out of a window <laughs> because he fell asleep. <laughs> Larry, don't be falling out of the sound booth up there. Larry's up there. Don't lean yeah. out too far, Larry. Um <laughs> yeah um we we can make all kinds of excuses for why we don't meet together. Well, you know we, I, that we treat church attendance in such a light manner and what we see here in these verses and this is connected to the warning passage that's coming up next week. Um 
this is a matter of are you going to stay a Christian? Yeah, I, I can tell you from my personal experience. You know, I believe that you know my conversion in my mid twenties. Um, after coming back, I was in the army at this time, but before that, even before I was in the army, we had been married several years. You know, and I would do that, but I was I wasn't a Christian. Now yeah. I would have said I was. Right. I would have identified that as that if you were to ask me. Um, Sunday, I could sleep in Sunday. Yeah, take it or leave. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I don't. Maybe I just decide. You know what, Angie and uh, you know she can go to church Sunday. Maybe I'll go play golf. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Right. It was whatever. If I if yeah. I if I felt like it, it was a good mood or whatever, go to go to church. Mm-hmm. I can remember that like yeah. vividly. Post conversion, you're gonna keep me from going to church, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Now this is not saying you know someone's if you're sick. Um, if, you have a, if you yeah, have a protracted uh, illness, if you're if you're providentially hindered, I mean, if you're sure. on your if you're on your way to church and you, your tire blows out, no, no you don't no, have no. to feel guilty no, about aren't. about it because God Look, has providentially hindered you from coming for some reason. They're chronically sick. Yeah, there are elderly. Mm-hmm. There are people that just can't come. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about well, in this case, I'm talking about the 25 year old who's mm. like, you know what, I want an extra hour of sleep. Yeah, because whatever. Right. I watched too much Netflix last night. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the type of stuff I would do. Oh yeah, or I play video games until three or four in the morning on Saturday night back then, yeah. and I'd be like, I'm too tired. Yeah, you know. Well, there's a there's a problem, mm-hmm. and the problem is I wasn't a Christian. Not a Christian, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, to to um, to make it a habit. It's the word, right? right. As it's the habit of some. Right. This is not. They missed once because they, you know, their work scheduled them on a Sunday morning. You know, and they told them not, don't schedule me on Sunday morning. They scheduled you anyway. You going to work? Like, you know, that, that's not what that's not what it's talking about. As is that habit of some, they've made it a habit of not coming. Um, and I think the the context and the seriousness of this is enough to say if you if you do this, you're probably not a Christian. Count on it. If you try to do it on your own, you you won't remain a Christian. Well, you know, I used this illustration back in Ecclesiastes somewhere about the football. Remember that? Oh, it was on the worship, the section on worship. Yeah. And uh, if you if you ever live in a big city that is absolutely football bonkers, you see it. So if you live in Kansas City, the they will not miss a football game. Yeah. Like it will not happen. Some some loved one might have died, and they'll be like. I'll see you guys Sunday night after the game's over. Sorry it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've got season tickets. Uh-huh. We pregame. Mm. We grill before. We got a whole. They have a whole ritual they mm. go through. Start Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, they love it. Right. Yeah. Well, the Christian loves the Lord, and mm. you know you're not going to keep yeah a, a, someone who loves the Lord away from him. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we know a Christian has access to him everywhere but there's it's different to meet together with other believers to be together with other believers worshiping god together and hearing from him as word um and and i think that this is in our context in in this context it's literally they're you know some of them are afraid to come because the repercussions they could be ostracized from society they could be you know (laughs) kicked out of their family you know well that's dangerous right can you Mm -hmm. imagine today (laughs) 
the, the, <laughs> the, right. the bloggers. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, it's legitimate, guys. Like, love your neighbor. Yeah. Like, they're afraid for their life. Can I mean, be a Christian. You know, consider their feelings. Yeah. They're afraid to go to church for their life. How dare you tell them not to neglect? Right. How judgmental of you. But here's Paul uh-huh. telling these these Christians who are in danger, possibly, of their life. Yeah. Don't neglect to meet together. It's better for you to die than to not persevere in the faith. Yeah, this is crazy, the, the mm. way that... Because I can totally see it, and I know of several blogging uh, groups that would write that article yeah. if well, Paul hadn't written that. If it, Paul hadn't written that. Well, if you... you <laughs> I mean, we we saw it just a few weeks ago. Christmas landed on Sunday, and so we're going to take a week off. Right. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a bizarre. But thing, I, dude. I think that I think as I was thinking through this in our context, I think that this this is more than just making an appearance at church. Mm-hmm. If you are are the last one to show up on Sunday, you sneak in after the worship services start, and as soon as the last amen is said, you jet. I don't think that you're obeying this either. Probably, yeah, yeah. And probably make a few frowny faces at the young kids on your way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you if you um, just show up for yourself to check it off the box, <clears throat> but you're not considering how to stir up one another to love and good works, you're not being faithful to this either. This is a be involved and the reason is all the more as you see the day drawing near mm-hmm. and look at take a moment and consider america at this time we're not in a good place things are getting worse and i think it's only a matter of time before we actually do start experiencing some elevated persecution mm. what are we supposed to do are we supposed to sleep in are we supposed to make excuses and well uh, there's two things that are conflicting, but you know, churches every week. I can do this. No, all the more as you see the day drawing near, we're supposed to be holding on to one another so that we'll persevere. Mm-hmm. Because if you are if you are isolated from the church, um, your perseverance is in danger. Right. You, you need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to Philippians. Right. That stands side by side. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you get separated, if that, you know, that that shield, you know, your shield barrier, your buddy falls, well, now you're exposed. Right. Right. It's the same idea here. Yeah. Yeah. So we need we need each other. Mm-hmm. Um for we, sure. We need to if we're going to do the first two, we need to really consider the last one. That's true. All right, we've gone a little long again. We're at one eighteen, so we better wrap this up. So you've got two more sermons coming. Two more. And then you will take a break. Yeah. So, all got right, a, good got job. A, got a warning passage next week. Yeah, yeah, it was good. You know, my dad, uh, talking to my dad a little bit yesterday, he said he thought you're doing a good job because Hebrew is very repetitive, mm-hmm. but you're finding a way to still present it mm. in kind of a fresh way. So that was good. There's a little compliment for you to, to, to start your day off just right. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we know there's tons of podcasts out there. Thanks for listening to ours. If you uh, if this has been beneficial to you, um, please give us a like, subscribe, share. You can write a review, uh, help other people to hear about it. It's always interesting. Sometimes we get contacted by people we don't know in other parts of the country, and that is also a huge encouragement yeah, yeah. Uh, to us. Uh, We do have fun, but our goal is to help people to be conformed to Christ. So hopefully it has. And hopefully we'll see you on Friday, either on video or podcast. See you then.